Good morning. It's good to be in God's house this morning and uh, beautiful singing, beautiful singing. I uh, just love those songs. Uh, just a little bit about myself, and I don't know if many of you know me or not, but uh, my name is Rudy. My wife's Brenda. We are originally from this area. We grew up both out at Barton, Walnut Corner area, and moved away in 2001, lived 20 years in Mississippi. It's hard to be a rebel over there, I mean, once you're a Razorback. <laughs> but we enjoyed, had some good friends, had a fantastic church we loved, and uh, so Brenda and I both retired. And we moved to Hot Springs and enjoyed living over there. But God has moved us back home. And I have been have felt the Lord desiring to use me. Uh, I don't profess to be a preacher, but I love the Lord. And I like to study and read and preach His Word. And so this morning, uh, Brother... Uh, Aminette had called me and said that Brother Terry had had some issues and was going to be out. And so here I am this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, we're going to look at the book of Romans. And we're going to be looking at the three I am's that Paul said in Romans chapter 1. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 14 15 and 16. Just a little bit before we get into the reading of God's Word, that the Apostle Paul, we all have read and studied about the Apostle Paul. You see, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he had been persecuting Jews for some time. And he was headed to Damascus to persecute Jews. I mean, that's what he did. But when, he, when Paul met Jesus, who was called Saul at that time, Jesus asked him two of the greatest questions that anyone could have been asked. The first question was, who are you, Lord? This is Paul asking Jesus, who are you, Lord, and what would you have me to do? You see, these are two of the greatest questions that anyone could ever ask. Those two questions. Who are you, Lord, and what would you have me to do? You see, the Apostle Paul spent the rest of his life discovering the answers to those two questions. Paul became one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever known. As a matter of fact, of the 27 books of the New Testament, he wrote 14 of them, if you include Hebrews. Some people say he didn't write Hebrews, but the author is an unknown. But it, it's definitely written in the style that Paul wrote. You see, after his death, there were he had planted and helped start churches all over the uh the Western Roman Empire. 
But we have to understand and ask ourselves, what was it that transformed the Apostle Paul? What was it was the philosophy that drove him like he was driven? And what was the motivation that urged him along? And we're going to look at that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, and you can stand if you can't, that's okay. In chapter 1, we're going to read verses 14, 15, and 16. Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning that, Lord, that we can come into your house. Father, that we can read and study your word. And, Father, I pray this morning, Father, that you'd speak through me, Lord. Father, that you would get the praise and the glory for this message, Lord. And, Father, I just pray that your word would penetrate the hearts of those that are here this morning. Father, we love you so much. We thank you so much, Lord. And Father, we just lift up to you this morning all those that are hurting, all those that are sick, those that are afflicted, those that are having problems in this world. Father, we lift them up to you and pray, Lord, that you would comfort them as only you can. Father, we pray for our country. Lord, it's in such a terrible shape. Father, we pray for our politicians, the elected officials, Lord. Father, that they would look to you for guidance and for the answers of how to run this country. Father, I pray for this church and for Brother Terry, Lord, that he, that you would heal him. Father, you as the great physician would reach down and touch his body and heal him so he can come back to the pulpit, Lord. Father, I pray for the ones that are here this morning, Lord, their desire to be in your house and, the Lord, to hear your preached word. I thank you for that. Father, just give, an op give us open hearts and open minds this morning that we truly might understand what you have for us. For it is in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you see, we're going, we just read, and we're going to look at these three times that Paul used the phrase, I am. And he used it three times. In verse 14, he says, I am a debtor. In verse 15, he says, I am ready. And in verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed. You see, I pray this morning as we look at God's word and we, we dig in and see really what Paul was trying to tell the people of that day and what he's trying to tell us this morning, that God would write these three I am's on our hearts, Lord, that, that we might understand and my prayer is that if he does that, and he will do that if we just pray and allow him to do that, that he would write those on our hearts. And when I'm finished preaching, that God through me will have done a good work in you and that we'll truly understand what he has for us this morning. You see, if you do that, if you understand what Paul is saying here and what God is trying to get us to understand, it's going to save us from the Sunday morning religions that many people have today and the casual Christianity. You see, so many people today are hearing that health and wealth message this morning. 
And God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to be uh, healthy. And, and God does. But that's not the message this morning. You see, our message is, according to Paul, is about being a debtor, about being ready, and about being ashamed. So we're going to look at that this morning. And hopefully, that God willing, that this will make us the kind of person that God wants us to be this morning. So as we look at his word, and Paul, understand that Paul was faithful to the obligation of the gospel. He was faithful to the obligation of the gospel. See, Paul felt obligated. He said in verse 14, I am a debtor. But what does that mean, I am a debtor? You see, to whom was Paul in debt to? And what was Paul in debt for? You see, number one, Paul was indebted to Christ. If you go back and look at verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul says, a bond, he says, I'm a servant, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. So he tells us in verse 1 that he was a servant. That word servant means a bond slave. Paul saw himself as a bond slave to the one that had died for him. Jesus Christ died that we might have life in eternity. You see, Paul believed that he was a bond slave. And the question this morning is, has Jesus died for you? See, Jesus, with his blood, bought and paid a price for you and for me. So Paul told the Christians, he says, you are not your own. In, in 1 Corinthians, you are not your own. You are bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Each one of us as Christians was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He died, he bled and died for us and shed his blood. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. You say, well, Brother Rudy, are you telling me that I have to work for my salvation? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying salvation is by grace, but oh, how grace, how great a debtor we are. You see, I cannot work my soul to save that work my Lord has done. But I will work like any slave for the love of my God's dear son. We need to work because he died for us. We need to work till Jesus comes. I love that song. We'll work till Jesus comes. And that's what we need to be doing. You see, Paul saw himself as a debtor to Christ. But not only did he see himself as a debtor to Christ, but Paul also saw himself as a debtor to the conquerors, those that have conquered this world and have gone on before him, those of the past. You see, Paul knew that he stood on the shoulders of those that had gone on before him. Look at verse 8. And Paul says in verse 8, First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the world, the whole world. You see, Paul realized that there were others who had suffered and bled and had died 
that he might know the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the thing that brought the Apostle Paul to a, a saving faith in Christ was that he witnessed the martyr of Stephen. He was there as they stoned Stephen to death. So he is saying, I am a debtor to those that have passed before me. You see, when we think about ourselves, we look around this, and I was just telling my wife, this is a beautiful church, first time I've ever been in here. It's a beautiful church. You see, we sit in this beautiful building. The air conditioner keeps us from burning up. The upholstery of the seats. You know, we sit here in comfort and safety, but I tell you, see, that there are others who have sailed through those bloody seas so that this building could be here. And even the Apostle Paul would later have his head cut off. Peter would be crucified. You see, Christians at that day and time were being killed and, and, and suffering. They were fed to lions in the Colosseum for sport. They were clothed in animal skins and hunted like wild beasts. They were tied to the shores in the, in the waters at low tide, so when the high tide would come up, they would drown. You see, they paid with their blood. They were stripped of their clothing, covered with oil, and set on fire like human torches so that Nero could have his social gatherings in his garden. They paid their blood. Jesus Christ paid his blood for us. You see, this very building that we're in, this very fellowship we enjoy, there are those who have gone before us and provided to provide this building, who provided the seat that you're sitting in, who caused the light to shine down on us, who put these Nice speakers up here. I was admiring the speakers and the sound system that erected these walls. Somebody did this that you would have a place to worship holy God. Amen. And we owe them. We are a debtor to them, to those that conquered the past, just as Paul was saying. He was a debtor. Thirdly, Paul saw himself as a debtor to those around him. Verse 14, Paul says, I'm a debtor to both the Greeks and the barbarians. What Paul is saying right here is the Greeks were kind of at the top of the social ladder. They were the philosophers. They were the wealthy. And then he said the barbarians were at the bottom of the ladder. They were poor. They were abused. But what he's saying is like the, the top of the ladder to the bottom of the ladder and all that in between, I am a debtor to them. We are debtors in Christ. You see, he was an indebtor to the culture. He was an indebtor to the crude. He was an indebtor to the intelligent. An indebtor to the ignorant. You see, there are people all around us that need the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have the message for them. And Paul understood that. Let me give you a little example. How about if, if the governor was to Charles call you 
this afternoon and said, Charles, I want you to come to Little Rock. There's a prisoner that I want to pardon, and I want to give you the honor of delivering that pardon to that warden so that he might be pardoned. And you say, that's, that's a pretty big honor. The governor's called me personally. You go there, the governor gives you that pardon, you thank him, you stick it in your pocket, and you walk off. You're excited about being honored to do that. And then you say, well, I need to do a little shopping before I leave Little Rock. And you go shopping. And you drive home, you say, the next day you get up, well, I need to cut my yard. You go out and cut the grass. You're just about getting through an old friend of yours calls and says, hey, let's go play around the golf. Sounds pretty good. So you go play around the golf. And while you're playing golf, your friend says, why don't you take, bring your family and go on vacation with us this weekend? Sound like a good deal. I need a little time off, a little relaxation. And so you gather your family up and you go off to the beach somewhere. You get up the next morning and you're looking at the ocean. Peaceful, drinking your first cup of coffee. You pick up the newspaper and you read where a man had been executed. And it happened to be that man that you had the piece of paper in your pocket. And you never delivered it. You see, what I'm telling you this morning is we have that piece of paper from, from our Lord and Savior, a pardon for everyone that believes in faith. And if we don't take that paper out of our pocket, if we don't take the message of God out of our pocket, out of our minds, and share it with a lost and dying world, one day we're going to stand before Him. And we're going to have to answer for that. I know we get too busy. I had a friend, a good friend, that we went to college. I, I didn't, think, didn't really want to share this, but I'm going to do it. They say confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. Had a good friend, went to college. When we got out of college, we parted different ways. I got married, had a family, got a job, and went to work supporting my family. And he went off in the worldly direction. The drugs, the drinking, almost took his life. For over 20 years, I never saw him. And one day out of the blue, we were still living in Hot Springs, I get a phone call, and he says, we chatted a little bit, he says, I need you to come see me, I need to talk to you. And the Lord laid on my heart what he wanted to talk to me about. I said, well, we're going to be down there in a couple weeks. A couple weeks came, we did come, we came into town. I got busy with my family, we got grandkids and kids that live here. Never went by to see him. Two days later, I got word that he had passed away. You see, I had that message in my pocket. That saving salvation message. I didn't take time to share it. God has convicted me of that. And I believe wholeheartedly this morning, if we're not sharing God's word, we're missing our calling. 
So many people today are so busy and wrapped up in their family and their lives that they miss those opportunities. You see, I'm telling you, there are souls dropping into hell today. And we have that message. And if we fail to deliver that message and share that message, how are we going to feel when we stand before the Lord? You see, Paul knew that he was a debtor to those around him. But not only did Paul see himself as a debtor, and not only was Paul faithful to the obligation of the gospel, look at this, Paul was flexible. He was flexible to the opportunities of the gospel. We must be flexible to the opportunity that God puts before us. You see, the the biggest problem with people today is they're inflexible. They're not flexible. They're not ready to roll if God speaks to them. I don't know if any one of y'all are business people here. You have your own business. I don't know much about your work. But suppose there's someone that has a business here this morning. And suppose that business is really going well. You're banking a lot of money right now. It's running smoothly. And then God steps into your life and tells you to sell that business. Are you ready to to follow his call? Are you ready? Are you flexible enough that God could step in and interrupt your plans and change the total course of your life? You see, that's what Paul was. Paul was flexible enough that when God stepped into his life, he, he sold out. You hear this, this, this phrase, I'm sold out for Christ. That's what Paul was. Paul was sold out for the Lord. Notice in verse 15, Paul says, For as much as in me is, and he didn't say it half-heartedly, he says, As much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. He was ready. He didn't have to say, wait a minute, Lord, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. He said, no, I'm ready. And I'm not ashamed of it. You see, he was going to Rome. You see, he was ready to live for Christ. I have hear people all the time saying, well, I'd die for Christ. What did Peter say? Lord, I'll die for you. And what did he do? Denied him three times. You see, but what I'm asking you this morning is not to die for him. I'm asking you, are you ready to live for Jesus today? Would you say today, as much as is in me, is I will live for Jesus. I will share that message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. You see, Paul was ready to live for Christ. But he was also ready to die for Christ. You think about Paul was going to Rome. You see, there were no friendships for Jesus in Rome. Paul was ready to preach the gospel in Rome. And I believe that is where he died. Most visitors, when they, if they get the opportunity to go to Rome, they want to go see the, the Roman Forum, the catacombs, the Colosseum. If I ever have the, the chance to go, I want to go see a place that's called the Mamertine Prison. 
and it's right across from the Roman Forum. And it's nothing but a big hole in the ground. In that day and time, there were no stairs to get down in that hole. It was a prison. It was where they would have to take prisoners and let them down with a rope. There was no sunlight. There were no windows to the outside. It was just a deep, dark hole. And I believe that's where Paul was kept. It's just a big hole in the ground. You see, I can just imagine he, he was kept there until he was executed. And I can just imagine the guard coming in and saying, Paul, it's time to go. And the apostle Paul looks up at him and kind of squint out and says, I'm ready. I'm ready. And the guard says to Paul, well, aren't you afraid? Paul says, oh, no, I die daily. I'm ready. And they usher him off. <clears throat> and they take him down to the Tiberus River where they would behead him. And his blood would run into the river. But the guard might will have said something to him before he died. He says, well, Paul, do you have any last words? And again, being Paul, looks up. And says, oh yes, Jesus is Lord. You see, that's what I'm talking about. He was ready. He was prepared every day. You see, I believe that when a man is no longer afraid to die, for the first time in his life, he is ready to live. I've often talked about talked with people that when they have lost a loved one, and they say how peaceful, if it's a Christian, how peaceful they went. Brenda and I visited with a woman of our church that passed away up there. The day before she passed away, we went in and sat down with her on the side of the bed and spoke to her and talked with her. And she says, I'm ready. She said, I'm not scared, I'm not afraid, because I know that I'm going to be with my Lord and Savior when I leave this world. The next day she passed away. But she was ready just as Paul was ready. And so I'm asking you this morning, are you ready this morning? Look at verse 13. Paul writes, I propose to come unto you. That is, I want to go. It is my purpose to go. I want to go. I'm ready to go. Are you ready this morning? If the Lord comes to you and tells you to go next door and share the gospel or tells you to go around the world and share the gospel, can you honestly and sincerely say, I am ready to go? David Livingston, one of the greatest missionaries of history, said this, and I want you to listen closely to it. He said, send me where you will, but go with me. Lay any burden on my heart, but sustain me. Sever any tie, but the one that binds my heart to thee. Can we say that today? Lord, send me. God asked Isaiah, who's going to go for us? And who's going to stand before us? And Isaiah said, here I am, my Lord, send me. Are we ready to be sent by the Lord? Paul was ready to live. He was ready to die. And he was ready to go. But watch this. He was also ready to stay. 
You see, sometimes God wants to restrain us. We're so eager sometimes we have to be restrained. You see, we don't just want to get up and go. Sometimes God says go and sometimes he says stay. You see, I believe that sometimes it's harder to stay than it is to go when we feel like we need to. But God's will and ways are always best. The Apostle Paul was fearless of the opposition to the gospel. Think about this. He's going to Rome. Mighty Rome. The iron legions of Rome that ruled the entire world. This was one of the powerful, most powerful country in the world. And they controlled it. With their, they were smart with their philosophers the Roman gods, the Roman laws. And Paul is going from Jerusalem and Judea, which was ruled by Rome, to that city to preach the message of another public executed Jew. There were no friends for Jesus in Rome. He was what we might call a backwoods philosopher. They would laugh at him. They would persecute him. But he would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You see, there are going to be times when we're sharing the gospel, we're going to be laughed at. We're going to be mocked. But praise God, Paul says, I am not ashamed. You see, I wonder a lot of times people working in these nice offices, factory, wherever they work, are they ashamed of Jesus? Have you ever been out to eat with somebody and they want to say grace and you kind of just bowed your head and rubbed your eyebrows because you was ashamed to pray in public? Many people are today. But Paul says, I've been there. I've been to other places. I'm ready to preach the gospel in Rome. You see, I read about, and you've read about David and Goliath in the Bible. When David met that big giant and he was so massive and so huge, David looked him straight in the eye and says, I've already killed a lion, and I've killed a bear, and you're next. He had the confidence not to be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God gives us, God, I pray that God would give us men and women and boys and girls that are not ashamed to share the gospel. Yes, there might be danger. There might be ridicule. But we should not be ashamed. But what did Paul mean when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Well, real quickly, we're going to look at that. You see, it. first of all, Paul was not ashamed of the person of the gospel. It is the gospel of Christ. It's not the Baptist gospel. It's not the Methodist gospel. It's not the prepper, uh, uh, the uh, Presbyterian gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you never need to be ashamed of that. Never need to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, this, this world, there's over 7 billion people in this world. Over 60 billion have, have died over the, the ages. And over 50,000 are being added to it every, to the population every day. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you this morning, I want you to listen to me. That there's one person who stands out above all those who have ever lived or ever would live, and his name is Jesus Christ. And there's not a moment in time 
Not a moment. When there are not millions of people studying what that one man said and is trying to arrange their lives according to how he lived his. Jesus is my hero. He's my friend. He's my Lord and Savior. And I'm not ashamed of the one that stepped out of heaven, suffered and bled for me. And I'm not ashamed of the person of the gospel. Secondly, Paul's not ashamed of the purpose of the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. What is the purpose of the gospel this morning? It's salvation. It's salvation. Man needs more than just soap and water and soup. We need salvation. Jesus didn't come as a financier. He didn't come as a philosopher or a teacher. The Bible says that the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. Salvation is what counts. The purpose of the gospel. Thirdly, I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. See, that word power is where we get the word dynamite from. In the Greek, it's dunamis. The dunamis of the gospel. If you were to take an atomic bomb, strap yourself to it, and ignite that bomb, there wouldn't be anything left of you. The buzzards couldn't even find a little pebble or a speck to eat. It'd be all gone, disintegrated. But there's one thing that that powerful bomb can't do. It can't blow sin out of your heart. Can't blow sin. But I tell you, there is a power that can make drunkards sober. There can a power that can make crooked men straight. There's a power that can make profane men and lavishly men pure. And many men know that power. Many know that power. It is the power of Jesus Christ. Lastly, and I'll close, the Apostle Paul was not ashamed of the plan of the gospel either. The plan is to everyone that believes. That's it. God's plan is easy. Everyone that believes, you see, that it's an incredible plan. All the rest of the religions around the world are spelled with D-O, do. Do this, do that. Where ours is spelled D-O-N-E, done, finished. You put your faith where God has put our sins, and that's on Jesus Christ. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You might say, well, that's, that's easy believism. Well, what do you want, hard believism? You see, that, that word doesn't, it, it, it means mere, doesn't mean mere intellectualism. It means trust. We have to trust in the Lord. You see... These words should give us the boldness to witness. The Bible says that we are not of this world. We are in this world. But while we're here, the Great Commission tells us to go and make disciples. 
if we were doing what God's Word says for us to do, every building, every church in Phillips County would be full. I had somebody tell me yesterday that, well, well, as a matter of fact, Brenda and I, we preached for a church in Monroe for over a year until they closed their doors the 1st of May because they didn't have enough people. They only had two deacons. And when I spoke with both deacons about my concern to closing the church, their response was, well, there's nobody here. Everybody's moved off. I know there are a lot of people that have moved from Helena West Helena. When we were growing up, this town had probably 35,000 or better between the two towns. A lot of people have left. But I'll tell you what, there's still a lot of lost people here. There's still a lot of people that need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we need to be out there telling them about it. You see, Paul's word gives us the boldness to witness. We've got something that's worth sharing. And it's our responsibility to share. You see, everybody you meet is either saved or they're lost. Those that are lost are prospects. Those that are saved are partners in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your message. Lord, I pray, Lord, that it's, it's penetrated our hearts. And, Lord, that we know and understand what we should be doing and that we'll do that. God, you gave your only begotten Son that we might have life. And, Father, the only reason you sent your Son was to save those that are lost. And, Father, many times we push aside what we need to be doing for you and do what we want to do. God, my prayer this morning is each one that's here this morning that you will impress on our heart what we need to be doing for your name's sake. And Father, that we can say honestly like Apostle Paul did, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us Work in and through us, Lord. Use us as a, as a vessel for you, Father, that we may be about your business. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.